0: Hey, hey. Okay. So you guys know that I've moved my platform over to Patreon and that's patreon.com slash Jamie Glowacki. So... Everything is moved there. That's where I'm now housing all my parenting content. For a dollar a month, you can access all the episodes of my podcast, but no worries if you don't want to do any financial commitment at all. We'll continue to release selected episodes here on your favorite listening platform. And just so you know, I also put up free public posts and mini podcast on that Patreon page. So all you have to do is head over to that main page, patreon.com slash Jamie Glowacki, and you can see my free public posts and mini podcasts. Head over there to check it all out. And now, on to today's show. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, but Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. So I have a treat today. I am interviewing Chantelle Zimmerman. She is the founder and creator of Sensory Garden and Play. And I am interviewing her today because I happened, I don't even know how I happened upon her Instagram feed, but this woman lives, breathes, eats and shits, proprioception, vestibular movement, and big play. And I have never in an Instagram feed seen it so embodied you got You just got to go to her page. It's sensory underscore garden underscore and underscore play. So Chantel, why don't you introduce yourself because you have such a cool background and how you got here. Oh, by the way, you guys, this is Chantel's first podcast ever. How exciting is that? <laughs> she does Instagram live, so she's no stranger to being seen and heard. But we keep it really loose and easy here, Chantal. Sometimes we dive into like trauma and we're all crying, but most of the time we cuss like sailors and just have a good time here.
1: (laughs) Hi, everybody. (laughs) I am so excited to be here. So I have been a fan on your page for a while. And so like I kind of knew about it. And so the fact that I'm on here with you is such a privilege. I really do appreciate this. So just a quick background. uh, I was a public school sector teacher. I taught many years in the inner city and then I taught in a suburbia and then I had my kids. And then that was when the birth of your children is also the birth of a mother, right? A mother is born the day that your children come into play. And a lot of what I already knew pragmatically, right? But then when you have your own and you're like, oh, we really need to revisit this, came into play. And so right at the cusp of the pandemic, I just knew what I wanted to do. I just had to figure it out. And one day somebody said, hey, why don't you stop playing so small in your life? I'm like, well, I didn't think I was, but thanks for the point out. (laughs) right? Like, shit, thanks. (laughs) Well, what happened was um, I put it all together and I said, hey, if I get four parents who can understand the reasoning of bringing kids outside and following what I thought was appropriate. Now, keep in mind, I had been, you know, a few months before was tutoring a lot of kindergarten kids and okay, let's back up because
0: I think I forgot to say in the intro, sensory garden mm-hmm. plays a forest school. So she runs a forest. Mm-hmm. So she went from public school, inner city to running a forest school. Just that leap alone right. makes her superhuman. And so for parents who are listening or educators, educators
1: might understand a little bit better as far as like, Whoa, how did she do that? parents, I think that when you have kids, like I said, a mother is born, you look at life differently. You look at everything just a pinch different. And that was it. And so I started tutoring while the kids are little and I wanted to be home with them. And I had a flux of people in town because I taught here wanting me to tutor kindergarten. And I'm like, we don't tutor kindergarten, right? Like, why would you tutor? Like, what are you doing? Right. And so I got these sheets and I'm reading and I'm like, whoa. They're up to par. I'm not getting what's going on. So I decided to ask the parents, you know what? Let me do it my way. Brought the kids outside, had sensory bins, had mud going on. These kids were not quote unquote behind. And then I started feeling very ill in the sense of, I know what the problem is. I'm like, none of your kids are behind. And I'm tutoring quite a few kids. And I said, turn to the parents. I'm like, you need to find a tutor who believes they're behind. I cannot take your money. They're not behind. Wow. And I just wasn't doing it. I'm very transparent. So I'm not doing this. And one of the moms is like, he's come so far. I'm like, no, he's fine. He's just comfortable with me. There's nothing yeah. else wrong. And so that's what it started. I said, you know, I'm, I know what I wanted to do. I knew what it was. So I said, I'm going to just have parents come out, see what you think. Well, my goal was to have four kids sign up. Well, it was 14 families signed up on the jump. No shit. (laughs) Um, Right? Like, I'm like, oh, so you guys, you guys get it. Like, oh, we're here. (laughs) And I said, all right, let's do this. And so, once a week for an hour and a half, I had this alignment of class, but I said to the parents, I wanted to be. And at that moment, I, I didn't have the language to explain it without sounding superior, which is what I didn't want. I wanted to be where the parents felt included and empowered. So I said, half the class is going to be something that we're going to do as an activity. But the other class, I want them to actually be able to explore and investigate. Now, sometimes that can be very hard for parents to understand, like, why are they just playing? We're paying you here. Right. But there wasn't. There was a sense of letting the child kind of learn on their own. Right. Within the area that we were in. Within a week, I was called from another town that said, like, hey, we got 10 parents. Can you come up here, too? Oh, my God. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll do that too. And then I got another phone call and it was like, all right, we got 12 parents appear. So now what should have been four kids ended up being three different locations, three days a week, having to call towns for permits, which, you know, what do I know about that stuff at that time? You know, insurance and LLCs and you're sometimes not ready, but Society's ready for you, so you've got
0: to get ready. <laughs> you got to get pie, yeah, or like whatever you believe yeah. Source, God, the universe. Somebody, somebody kicked you off the cliff.
1: <laughs> Somebody's like, you know, you kind of hung on too long on that safe road. Now we're gonna push you in. I'm like, all right, well, here's what I got. And so I contacted a nature center by me, and I said, hey, I have like this really good following. I'm not nothing big, like just a few kids. Do you think I can come up and just kind of like rent a little space? And she's like, yeah, sure. We do that with Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. And so I hold my program at the New Weiss Center. I had to stay in one place because we were getting a little too big to be moving around so much. And so I'm, I think, going to be there two years now in September. And what started out as a little program is like a full-blown forest school. For those that don't understand, especially in the state of New Jersey, <laughs>
0: people are like, <laughs> what? You started a business in the forest in New Jersey? Like, what were you thinking? Like Not only that, but I'm being interviewed by a woman who made her life on um, crap. True. I got one better for that. you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I love this.
1: <laughs> so then what I decided was, we're going to do this and we're going to do it the way I really want. We're going to go with this term. I'm going to explain it in our program. It's called emerging curriculum. Now, a lot of coined terms in education get thrown around and they're really pretty terms for parents, right? So like one term that absolutely irritates me is kindergarten readiness. It's such a beautiful, sexy term. So parents can feel well-meaning parents, by the way, my child will be ready for kindergarten, Mm -hmm. right? It is such a seductive line. It's such bullshit, right? Because everybody's term as to why a child is ready really depends on the parents. So anytime I have phone call conversations or things that I talk to parents, I always start with, here's what I'm going to tell you I'm not going to do. If you need your child reading by three, math by five, this is not your program. I am not that person. I've been that person. I'm never going to go back to being that person. They're too little. Their brains are now fully developed to five. And my opinion, and for everybody that's listening, this is just my opinion, we are pushing the academic component way too young, and we're taking away the things that we do need to teach them. The reason we have issues that I've seen directly come up in third and fifth grade is because we stress them out too little. We try to teach them so they're kindergarten ready, but we forgot that it's really their emotional system they need to regulate. And one of the things I always tell parents is, if your child leaves my program, loving, loving, like, oh, I'm gushing over education and ready to learn. And like every question is about their metacognition and reflection, then I did my job. The rest will follow. And I'm not against teaching the ABCs and numbers. Again, there's all the time and place. But when you see organizations teaching them at two years old and like, we need to sit down and do circle time and learn the calendar. It's you're taking away what they should be doing. And that's
0: exploring. So the scandal because first of all, you don't have to give any precursor of like, this is my opinion, because (laughs) this is fact. And. You guys know, so Chantel, I, I talk about this like through my ass and I mm. literally brought you on to back me up. I'm like, oh, I got a professional. I got, I got <laughs> an old public school educator who turned right. forward school and all the time. And I know what you mean about sexy terms, because in fact, you said the first group of kids, you told the parents they were going to explore and investigate. And I was like, oh, ding, ding, investigate for $500 because that's a sexy mm-hmm. for education. right? right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's
1: a lot of terms. And so one of the things that I, I always ask for a parent, like, first of all, and I do want to actually, I want to write something to parents. Like when you're looking for childcare, daycare, what is it that's the most important? Number one, it could be cost. you know, let's be practical Cost. It's, it's, it's it's in it, right? Location. If it's not close to your job and you're driving 45 minutes out of the way, it's not for you. Right. And then the the next thing is, and this is something that I had that I think that's so important is what is education good for? So when I say that, like when you're putting money, a lot of money into a facility or a situation where your child's spending a lot of time, what is it meant for? Is it just pure education to have a good time and that's fine and it's fun and they're loving and they're catering and they're so overwhelmingly nice? That's great. Ask yourself that question because for me, for my own children who have twin daughters who are with me in the forest, I have a different philosophy and I always say, I just want them to love to learn. That's it. And if they can do that, to me, they're going to be fine in the world because they're going to have that hunger to find things they want to learn about from three to five. They are geniuses. They want to learn everything. We forget because we're so busy. Like great question the other day, my daughter, why is um, the moon moving? Think about that. She's five. She looked and she's like, is the moon moving or are we moving? And she's like, it's getting darker. And I see the moon moving, right? Is it follow? And like, she's literally trying to figure that out. Right. And my husband and I were busy. And I'm like, hold on that second. <laughs> we're going to write this down. I'm going to come yeah, back yeah. to you in two minutes. <laughs> right? I don't want to miss that moment. But we had a tree situation going on and we didn't want to get hurt. So the thing is that we forget why we want them to go to school. There is something for your listeners that, um, and I will get it to you. I, I've been trying to find it back. In the 1900s, we sent kids to go to school for the industrial area, right? And so we wanted them to be factory workers and learn and this and that, and then go and make sure that we produce. But is that our society now, right? Like it's not. And I think when we look at it that way, it's different. So for me in our 4 school in New Jersey, bringing a Scandinavian model of stop telling kids it's raining and you got to go inside, right? When you think about that, like a parent thing. That's a mom thing. Oh, don't get wet. Well, why? Because we don't want to get wet. Right, 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 right. Kids, what we call rain day, like anytime it's raining, they come out of their cars and they're like, it's worm day yeah, yeah. because they know they get to go looking for worms.
0: Right, there's right, no, right.
1: So there's no thought of like, oh, it's raining. Oh, my hair. They have no concept of that. Also, like this was our first full winter program for us. And the kids that we thought might be a little bit like, hey, I'm not sure we had talked to parents, like, let's get them the appropriate gear, right? Let's make sure that they're ready. We had a very mild winter in New Jersey, but it was probably the best winter I ever had because we didn't shield ourselves away from the cold. Yeah, we went yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there is a there is a wonderful video I put up. And you know how Instagram is. If you have like, it has to be exciting. If not, they flip over your stuff. I could have put a great audio. Didn't want to. I wanted people to hear the squeaks and the giggles that they made the seesaw in the middle of the forest. Yeah. It was raining and hailing, and we're giggling. Why? Because we didn't run from it. This one little girl said, "I want to know what it feels like." She was new to the program. Yeah, yeah. Think about that comment. I want to know what that feels like because yeah, most times amazing. they tell kids right to go inside. So I think for the people who are listening in the audience, I think it just comes down to we got to go down to basics, like. Get them outside, especially under five. They will find things to do out there.
0: And, oh, and they're and- so curious, but also, like, it, you know, you had mentioned, like, some of the problems you see in third and fifth grade directly relate. It's not just mm-hmm. that their love of learning. Now, by the way, I'm a homeschooler. I've homeschooled yeah. since the beginning, and we have largely unschooled. So yeah. you're definitely barking up the right tree here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the right? Yeah, barking up the right tree. No,
1: no. And I, you know what? And that's the other thing, then you can actually. Bring your insight to one of the things I love to do because it's programs during the day. Some of it falls under camp. Is that we get to bridge homeschool, unschool, and public? Yeah, yeah. right. Because there's some good things about public that you know, like not for nothing, the library, the librarian at schools. Yeah, you got to bring them coffee, even though you're not in the school. school <laughs> because, you know, she's a good source. <laughs> so what you want to do is kind of bridge the fact, and it's not there right now. Right, we know that because of the pandemic, people have decided. I'm going to unschool, homeschool, whatever the case is. The beauty that came from COVID, and this is, again, my opinion, is that we are challenging the system. I'm not saying teachers. We are questioning the system. Well-meaning parents who trust the system are saying, hey, wait a minute, my child's less stressed being home. Or hey, my child's really upset being home. They're tapping into sections of their own child and realizing, hmm, you know, I'm not quite sure about this. Because I always say, like, you know, you're cooking something, you'll taste it and go, this needs salt, this doesn't. But when you send your child away, sometimes you don't know what's going on. You can't taste like what's happening. So checking in, I think is important. And we're realizing to the core that the system, not educators, right? (laughs) The system, there's some flaws in it. And so like, I'll give you a great example. My kids are going, supposed to be going to kindergarten this year. And I made that decision of, you know, this is not going to be for us in the forest. I have wanted this for them, right? I wanted them to learn to play and and just to figure life out on their terms, not on these standards. And so I get a lot of heat, even though I have a program running over 10 years of experience teaching, people don't get the unknown. So I always say like, Hey, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me, right? I'm not going to talk to you about my decision because clearly you're upset by it. That's your problem, not mine. Right. Think about that. So you've done it.
0: The pandemic, it drove me crazy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the system's broken. I think everybody knows that, but what I see is like, you know, if you are in a position where you can't homeschool or you really don't want to, you know, you had a kid Mm -hmm. without, you know, homeschooling is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, well, you Mm -hmm. should be a hippie. You can't tell somebody how to, how to have a lifestyle, but you know, the system is definitely, I think we all know it's broken, but then people get stuck on a a path. And I said, once you're in the schooling system, you get on a treadmill. It may be low grade. It may be sprinting, but you're going to stay on that treadmill. And one thing that amazed me, you know, COVID of course changed everything. But when the pandemic started, one thing that amazed me was the immediate, like the kids are falling behind. And I was like, the entire fucking planet has this thing. There is no longer Mm -hmm. any, how can you be behind? Like, even if your 18-year-old is only learning their alphabet, if the rest of the 18-year-olds are learning their alphabet, then nobody's behind. So it's this, like, it's the race. And that's what scares the hell out of parents. It's not necessarily even the unknown. Is like, but what if? What if I fuck it up? What if my kid doesn't learn what they have to learn? And so what I concentrate on is that You cannot ask a three-year-old to sit still if a three-year-old is not out in your garden lifting heavy logs like I see on your Instagram page because they're not building the muscles needed to sit. You cannot ask a three-year-old to hold a (laughs) pencil if they haven't used tape and scissors because they don't have the musculature, you know? So this whole idea- It drives me freaking, I can't, you (laughs) you
1: just hit a string. So I have a huge issue with learning how to write very early. I can tell you if I could do a Ted talk, it would be on that. Like it, it it's, yep. it's, I can't. So I tell parents all the time, even with mine, mine are now five and we play with Play-Doh and beans before we do any writing. This is like at home, like, Hey, you're having breakfast. Here's a piece of Play-Doh here, beans. And you know, you'll do your letters after I could care less about the letters. Right. And it's more of, I want them to, first of all, they were premature. I've never had a developmental issue, but I was very conscious of looking at things that, might come up, right? So for me, like their muscle movements are super important. I constantly watch that. I have kids that because we have this milestone of like, hey, you got to crawl at this age, you got to walk at this age. We have kids that can't sit properly, right? Because parents wanted them to walk first. Not realizing that crawling is such a huge, gross
0: motor skill. And Uh, I'm sure Uh, you just took it off the milestones, right? Don't get me started.
1: Uh, (laughs) Don't get, don't we don't want to go into hours on this. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Your audience will be like, I can't stand her anymore. She's going <laughs> on for too long. That the hell, um, Right. So one of the things that I think is important is let's get away from sitting. No child should be sitting for more than like four minutes. My daughters, if I had to put them in preschool right now, my one daughter would probably like go into depression because she just doesn't sit. Like she just, I've never made her sit. So she doesn't have to sit. She is an exploratory child. She uses her vestibular system constantly. And one of the things that again, and this is something we would want to talk about is called risk and play. All parents want to keep their kids safe, right? Everybody. And so when we think risk, we think, you know, tools and what we don't realize it's, it could be height. It could be speed. It could also be lifting heavy objects. If you watch a child naturally, most times all they want to do is climb, right? My husband, most dads <laughs> will turn around and go, oh, be careful. And I'm like, Stop telling her to be careful and start telling her to assess the situation. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about what assessing looks like, not just, hey, here's a big word and come on. So we always say like when we're on yesterday, we had a great hike and I said to her, you're going up. If you go up, you got to come down on your own. That doesn't mean if she's crying, I'm going to leave her there, right? But the rule is not to climb something you can't come down. So she assesses it. Danica is very good at that. She gets on top and she looks at me and says, I did this by myself. And I said, yes, she goes, I'm going to get halfway down, but I might need you. And I'm like, you let me know. She goes, there's a big rock. She's walking herself through this. And I'm like, I'm right here. She didn't need my help. She assessed the risk on her own because well-meaning parents in playgrounds are constantly saying, watch out. Don't get hurt. Don't do this. Be nice. So then here's for all the listeners out there. If you tag me in this, I would love it. When your child's going up the slide, can you tell them to stop? Let them go. Stop telling them to stop. They, They need to use that. And so
0: their way of using that is to climb up the goddamn slide please let them, please, please. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I think all my the whole time. audience is saying right now, how did you find your clone? Because <laughs> like, when I tell you, like going up the slide is like my mantra, I'm like, let them go. Let I have parents, like, I have worked with families recently who like educate other parents. Now they're like, well, your kid's going up the side, and she's like, "No, yours should too. It's really good for their vestibular right. proprioception." Yes. So she educates everybody. But I want to take a second because I just had a question on Patreon about a little girl who fell and got hurt, and the mom said, "How can I reinstall her bravery?" And I think what you just said was really interesting, which is, and it was kind of going to be my answer in a and A podcast, but I'll answer it with you: is assess the situation. You teach a child, well, what would you do next? you know, look around is, you know, and I have in my book, I got a quote from the Backwoods Mama. She has that great Mm -hmm. list that's floating around the internet. That is things to say instead of be careful, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. look at that rock.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it wet? Is it slippery? Is it pointy? So that you're learning how to assess the risk. And also at Playgrounds, the thing I see that makes me flip out is when parents lift their child up. So say there's like that cargo ladder, And they lift the kid. And I'm like, well, now they're fucked because how do they get down? They didn't learn how to go up. So you kind of just screw them. So don't ever lift your kid to a higher height. If they can't make it, they're not ready to be that high. And so one of the things that, and it's funny because, and
1: I know the dad wouldn't mind me saying this because he's such a sweet soul. If he hears this, they were all getting dropped off. Mom usually does a drop off. So, you know, dad's meanwhile, here's your luggage, like all your stuff. And She is doing what we practice, right? Because they see the teacher, like it's snow, it's ice and we're outside waiting. And so here comes this little girl and she's on the ice and she sees me and, you know, full eye contact and I'm watching her and dad's like, watch the ice. And I kind of looked at him and I said, well, we kind of want them walking on the ice. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, right. So I said, we went on a bear hunt. I said, and so you know how the story says you got to go over it under it. We got to go through it. They got to learn to go through it. And then they can assess, should they go on the leaves? Should they go on the rocks? Is it too icy? Now, this is a patch of ice. There are four parents right there. And we're watching her. And she got all the way across. And she looks at me, must have like tuned him out and said, I could go through that. And she (laughs) knew now, right? Because I taught her like, okay, maybe it's just way too icy. And we use it all the time. You need to honor your body. You need to honor your body. If you don't honor your body, that means guess what? You honor who you are. My one daughter is not as brave and she'll say all the time, I'm honoring my body. I just can't. So, when you allow a child to use the terminology of I'm going to honor my body, let's assess the risk. You're not sending your kid on a mountain and going, see you when you get back. No, this is the rock. This is its way. And we're right there constantly, even with my own kids, but with everybody. This is how we approach the climbing. This is how we approach the proper climbing of a tree. Also, if a child says, hey, this is a tree that we shouldn't be climbing, right? So this is a great example of being in the forest because sometimes people think we just let them run with the wolves, right? That's a whole other story. But um, <laughs> she said, only on a this tree, room, right? right yeah. No, yeah, only on that. <laughs> so she says, uh, hey, mom, this tree, we can't climb. I didn't say a word. I said, well, why? She goes, something's wrong. So I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, something's eating this tree. It's probably not safe to climb. This is when she was four right? She saw so much bark being pulled off that she's like, no, because the branches can fall on us. And they all just took suit and walked away. So when you think of that kind of thinking, like they're already assessing risk enough to keep themselves safe. Mm -hmm. I didn't say a word, right? And so we take this opportunity away from them constantly. Well, meaning parents do it because they want to keep their kids safe. But I'm going to tell you what was said to me. Do you want to teach your kid helplessness? And when my kids were little, they were twins, and they were born very, very early. And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, if you keep doing this, you're going to teach them helplessness." Now, if you know my personality, I'm like, "Oh no, no, we we don't do that here." I'm like, "Ah," and I'm like, "I get it." So it made a lot of sense to me. Um, And so I always ask the parents, "Do you want to enable them to always need you, right? Because they're always going to need you. Teach them helplessness, or do you want them
0: to walk life having intrinsic?" Self-esteem. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's that's something I hop on. The parents who try to hand over the self-esteem. I'm like, it doesn't happen. The kids have to do hard things. And there's a great, you know, on the reels on Instagram, they have those audios. And there's one of Jordan Peterson right now that's really making the rounds about, you know, you cannot interrupt a child when they're doing dangerous things carefully. And it's great because you see all these videos of parents letting their kids take these like assessed risks, but they're doing it and the kid is focused and they are not throwing themselves. Because that's the flip side too. If you don't allow your child those opportunities to assess the risk and to honor their body, what happens is you get the YOLO kids. They're like Wile e. Coyote. They are smashing against, they have no control, smashing against walls. Like those are the kids that learn how to ice skate by just flinging themselves across the ice and crashing, you know? I will get you a study.
1: I can't, I'll get your audience. I can't remember where it was from, but there was a study that another four school educator said that the more risk you allow between three and five, the less risk they will take in their teens. Yeah. Because they honor themselves. And I thought that correlation was so amazing. I had put that up, and one mom was like, Well, I have three. One of them was like, and eh. She's like, the other two made sense. She's like, it kind of depends how many kids you have. Other people were saying, like, you know, we were young and we got to go out in the forest and explore. So she's like, you know, we had an idea of who we are. She's like, I think that's a lot of what she was trying to say was street smart. She's like, yeah. we were four smart. And so like, I can see that I don't have that study, but I can see it. So my whole thing of bringing a Scandinavian model, because that's really where it comes from into New Jersey was more of bringing it back to basics for us. You want to encourage parents, right? You want to support them. But one of the things I tell the parents is I created, I shouldn't say fully, I got a great outline. And then I went from there, it's called the emergent curriculum, right? So instead of saying here, see you in the forest, pick you up a two, it's, hey, parents, can you be in charge of what your child wants to learn once a month? And it could be a current event. Like right now it could be disasters. It can be something. So we got our first one back today and the little girl's very interested in bees because she's very scared. So we wait for all the data to come back and then I create the curriculum based on what they want to know. Oh, that's cool. Now that is freaking insanely amazing. It's also extremely hard, but I will tell you what happens. Every kid is interested and it's not your fluffy, like, you know, ta-da, here's a arts and craft. No, get your cameras. We're going to go find those birds. We're going to welcome back the birds and find a migration. What, what pattern they're coming in? What tree are they on? Spring is coming. So what happens is all of a sudden they also create a huge kinship with the forest yeah. because the trees, the birds... And you can't expect children to care about anything if you don't build a relationship. And a lot of times that happens, well-meaning worksheets, bullshit. I can't understand why a five-year-old and a three-year-old have worksheets. Our homework is literally observation. I think I sent one home where they had to do it's called sock gardening and they have to put on socks and walk around and pick up all the stuff because they're learning about seeds. Yeah. And like all the parents will then wear socks and like, it's just fun family stuff at three and five. And so what happens is you build this idea of like, Oh, so it's not like I got to go and find these beautiful boards. So my child can say who he's about, but mom's doing the writing. That's not authentic. The child's watching you do the work saying, I don't trust you. This is over your head, but I'm still going to let you bring it in. And then the teacher's
0: going to stand there and say, what does this mean? And what's your favorite food? None of that shit's real. And you're telling that child. It separates. One of the things I knew, it's one of the reasons I took my child out of the public school system was because he very early on was like, that's work. This is fun period. So like, even if I tried to like, Hey, you want to go to a museum? You know, and one of the things I'm sure, you know, as an educator, and I just was talking to a client about this, any mom who tries to educate her child puts on a teacher voice and immediately your kid's going to tune you out like immediately. So like for me, education happens the most in the car when it's like, Hey mom, where do you think our soul goes? And that shit always goes down in the car. When I don't have Google mm-hmm. handy, when I have no resources. And I'm like, all right, let's think about this. And so it very quickly takes that love of learning. School is this place. And then fun is this place. And I always tell parents, like, especially parents who might be interested in homeschooling after, I mean, we're all homeschooling zero to five, you know, but one of the things is like, think about you, like when you're scrolling and you start going down rabbit holes and you think. Oh my God, look at, this woman does a forest school? What the hell's a forest school? You jump on the computer, you look up forest schools. Holy shit, it originated in Scandinavia. What's our policy? How sca- You end up down this huge rabbit hole mm-hmm. just because you were interested. And so the biggest scam going on is that English, math, science, they're all separate and they're all 50 minutes. And when the bell goes off, ooh. I can also tell my Rhode Island accent's coming out thick because of your New Jersey accent. So, ooh,
1: ooh. <laughs> so Wait, we should have like,
0: should we have like horns or like
1: some kind of confetti the next time I do this with you? So like every time you do say something good, I'll like throw confetti or like some kind of bell whistle.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it all, Um, you may not listen to my whole podcast. I have one Um, in season one that is, this is how we homeschool and how my kid went off on Jurassic Park. And it ended up worth of like six months of quote unquote curriculum because he got so interested in, we ended up doing like ap biology and he was 11 because of jurassic park you know so i think that's it and parents just get super locked into this these standards that are unrealistic i'm furious about kindergarten and during the pandemic what was happening is poor kids their first school experience was zoom meetings and then they were making these kids stay on for six hours kindergarten is not six hours of sit-down work even in so
1: people don't people don't realize, and and I I do want to say it and I don't, so I'm kind of teetering on like how to explain to parents that when a very well-meaning teacher has 27 kids, she has to figure it out, right? So like, this is not a knock on teachers, but really like my homeschooling endeavor of, let's just say academics is five minutes because they're learning their alphabets. And like, that's it. After that, we're learning about life. And so I don't, push that as a, that's more important in the forest. I always get, well, are they learning? And I'm like, if your three-year-old is coming home with the word camouflage, they're learning. All our (coughs) children have to measure because we have a garden. So if your 4 four-year-olds measuring in inches in real life, and it's not these just department kind of settings, they're learning not only real skills, but they're learning their math and language all in one shot. And it's very hard. So we have the stream where where I work. And what we do is we try to incorporate math as much as we can there. And so we'll uh, have these recipes out. And we call the older kids bigs. Our six can read a little bit. I'll say one big scoop, one big cup. And they have to make these mud pies. And then we have to see who decorates these mud pies better. And this whole time, there's not one teacher going, you're doing this right. Here's a sticker. You're doing this great. They don't give a shit what we're saying because they can read the smaller kids are helping the older kids are six years old feel so empowered they could read they're reading it to the little ones the little ones are going I got this I'll bring the cup yeah yeah. because it's tactile right so like it's not that bullshit of like let's bring out you know this
0: little stamp yeah and then you stamp it once well not only that but the intrinsic pride that the bigs feel now the littles are more inclined I want to read I want to read I want to read because they see what the bigs have that my son had that going right. on with tying shoes. Like he could tie his shoes before everybody. So then it's like, and that was his kindergarten teacher. She fostered this competition because then everybody wanted to be a shoe tire, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it's so funny too, because you had brought up gear before and what education means. And I remember my son went to a, a really cool preschool that was kind of Montessori Waldorf-y and philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. They didn't do anything. The kids were learning. They had tape available. They had so much stuff, and it was mixed ages. But they taught the kids how to put on their winter gear. And I was like, "That is three-year-old fucking education." You know what? In a literate society, your kid is going to read. Your kid is going to learn numbers. Like that's going to happen. And that teaching my kid to turn his mittens in the right side out so they dry. Thank you. <laughs> or here's a better thought. Why do we?
1: And this is just because we have them in the forest. Like. Our kids can start a fire with us, not only start a fire, but then realize like, oh, it's wet. We have these, like, we taught them how to make these like sticks. And then like everybody puts their mittens close to the fire so we can dry them because they need to keep dry. Right? it sounds so silly, but a three-year-old who's like, oh, my mittens are dry. We got to flip them upside down. We need a Y stick. And he's going to go hunt for a Y stick to make sure that it's there. Like he's three, like that's what he needs to be doing. And I think from my opinion, there has to be a beautiful blend between life skills, social and emotional well-being. Our kids do daily mantras. Their homework every single day is to ask their parents or someone in their home how their heart is and to listen. And they gotta come back and kind of tell us. And so the next day when I asked them, how was your heart? How was your parents' heart? I've had parents text me back and say, they asked me, and I don't know if I've ever known how
0: my heart feels. And I'm like, well, you better find out because he's going to ask you or she's going to ask you every single day. Well, you know, that so, is their, Yeah. And now they're teaching like empathy classes in school. And I'm like, um, no, we can't really teach empathy in a classroom like that.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So what happens is we get away from the actual, and this is just, again, I will state this, my opinion, we cannot Teach empathy. We cannot teach a social communication, a dialogue. If we don't have it, if we're constantly shoving them into a very busy life with busy things in front of them, because you're taking that away from them. So a good example, my daughter is an empathic child. And so the other day she saw it in my face, my dog, if you know my dog, I love my dog. She's just a nut. And so I'm like, she's going to get sick. Right. And she looked at me, she put her hands around me. She's like, How is your heart? You seem upset. She's five. I didn't say anything. She could just see on my face, right? And I said, Well, how do you you can tell? She goes, Because remember what you said? It's sometimes you can't ask and no, sometimes you could just see. And I'm like, Right. So Uh, we are forgetting that, especially when kids were masked up. Yeah. Right. So now kids are going to have a hard time understanding emotional expression. That was always a huge issue with me because when they're little, that's how they get it. And if anybody is going to say no, well then how did your kid learn how to smile when they were three months old? Because you were cooing at them and you were smiling. Right. So let's see another
0: approach. podcast where we could go off.
1: <laughs> Dude, we can go off forever. <laughs> this, you may be my Instagram best friend. Like this may be something. So yeah. So it's again all well-meaning parents that are being shoved this, like I would say mainstream thinking, but really parents, sit for yourself for a minute. Ask yourself, like, what do you need? And then when you can answer that, then you can say, what does my child need? Right. Because sometimes when you're too tired, you can't figure it out. With kids, it's the same thing. How is their heart? Like, how are they feeling? Not they're just tired. Cause that's that bullshit we tell everybody. Like when you ask another mom how they're doing, what does another mom say? I'm good. I'm just tired. I'm that's bullshit. That's just that's just okay. right. I'm fine. Everything's good, just busy. It's rhetoric, right? But we're teaching our kids that. And in this system of education, it's the same thing. So one great example. I am a huge fan, huge of big loose play, small loose play. Small, I mean, sometimes I'll come up with like beans, see yeah, yeah. smaller the better motor skills. That's the stuff that I focus on. Big loose play. If I have a child who has a high energy, sometimes, again, most people would think to run them out. Sometimes running out a child like that doesn't work. You have to see, right? You have to gauge it. Everybody knows the kid they have. Big loose play allows for that child in question to move logs around and build a fort before 10 o'clock. Yep. All that positive energy is out, right? Because it's energy that needs to funnel. And he builds this, or she builds this, and all of a sudden can absolutely partake in the whole class. Put him in a preschool, he can't go into a preschool setting or a kindergarten setting where they have the faculty and staff and say, you know what, we'll do gym for the first 20 minutes, but you're running him out. And guess what? It doesn't always work. Right. Big loose play is huge. Moving logs, moving sticks. We just purchased these tools that are like for grownups, but you know, it's smaller to move logs with kids so they're going to have cooperative play in the morning for the children that just need a little more exposure. My opinion, we're setting kids up in the same way that we think might have worked years ago. We need to stop this. And that's why I'm such a fan of the unschooling, homeschooling, parents who question all of this. Everybody likes a label, right? And if I were to say, hey, I'm Montessori or Reggio, people would say, oh, right. I don't want to put a label. There are parts of Reggio that I probably have a lot that really coincide with them, Montessori as well. The fact that for me, an emergent curriculum, think about it as a parent, you sit down with your kid and I always say, guys, make this really intentional. Set a candle, have tea time, do it somewhere outside of the garden. Ask your child what they want to learn. Don't write it down. You know in your head what your kid likes, right? And let them say, well, I really want my teacher to teach me about bees. Think about when that kid goes to this program and says, "Miss Chantel is going to really take the time to teach me about beats. Yeah. That kid's going to want to go all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Emerging curriculum for us means we are going to put a curriculum based on your child's interest. Now, if your child's interested in Jurassic Park, I'm going to have to move him to the side and teach him on his own for a few minutes every day. Cause that's yeah. not, it doesn't leave. Right. We had a kid who wanted to learn about the horses. We found time for him just for him for like a few minutes every day. But it also empowers the parents to feel like, Hey, she cares about my kid, but she cares about me. Right. And if you're not empowering a parent and encouraging a parent and you're not saying, hey, I
0: care, I want to support you, then really you're not doing your full job as an organization. Well, and I thought, you know, I was part of that when my son was in kindergarten, we were one of the test schools for the Common Core. And one of the things I had, (laughs) um, I had really disagreed with everything is I said, you just made me the stupidest person in the room. You know, however the kids learn math. If you're going to change the whole curriculum, you have to have meetings so parents can learn it too. Because my first right. reader is coming home, and I'm like, I have no idea mm-hmm. what this, is. no idea. And now I look stupid. And now you've just severed that. Nope. and I know you got to go because you got twins and you got a life. But I wanted to say, no, they're actually good. No, I, that's I, that's I was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're good. Um, I'll never forget my history teacher in 11th grade. She was that history teacher. In 11th grade was American history. The book was like. 1200 pages started with George Washington and the freaking cherry tree. And she was like, I swear to God, she said, literally fuck this. She was like, you guys were born in 1968. You were born in the Vietnam war. You don't know that, but there was a collective vibe in this country. You go home and you ask your parents. So listen to this. My parents had been sitting on not only scrapbooks. My stepdad was in Vietnam. You know how we used to send mixtapes. And now you'll share a Spotify list. He had real to real. That's what he would send. He would record it and he would send it back to his parents. So he had the actual reel to reel and you could hear gunshots in Vietnam. He was a vet. They never discussed him coming home. Right. So when he starts crying, telling me the whole story, I had no idea my parents were sitting on this. this was- but now think about that. That is real, genuine freaking learning. Right. Not only that, so do I-, I remember everything we learned, but my parents, it was the first time as a teenager we got along. My parents couldn't wait for me to get home. I couldn't right. wait to ask them the questions. And for the first time ever, we were like bonded, you know, because we had that right. terrible teenage years and uh, it was unbelievable. And I've always looked at that. Like, it's not just parent involvement, like make your kid do the oh. homework. It's like right. really, even if your kid is in school, like, can you be more involved in the questions you ask or what you do in your off time?
1: So I think that's why, and I know that I get a lot of flack from uh, And then it's not black, I should say, like Chantel, like that's a lot of work. And I'm like, right. But the week before, like we launch on the 15th, it will be our spring session. And like for the next four days, I am going through grid sections of like every kid and what they want to learn and pulling the information that's age appropriate and like motor skills, fine motor skills. How do I tie this into the emotional component? For us, meditation is like huge. If somebody says my kid can't meditate, send them to me. Yes, they can. Meditation looks in the mainstream one way, but if your child can sit for two minutes and pet a leaf and take big, deep breaths, that looks like meditation to me, right? right? So we do tapping when we're upset. And when you oh, see a kid yeah. after a I'm few tapping. months tapping in the corner or hugging a tree, in the real world, they would be different. And you they'll say, I just needed the, the peace, the energy of the tree, which is, we call it the peaceful energy. And so they're like, we need it to stand still. Oh. And they're three and four and five and six. This is what we're trying to do. And show them they can regulate themselves. But we as adults and instructors, we honor that. We're not giving you a, you were on red today. So I'm going to let mommy know that you didn't have a good day because you had emotions. And I'm going to put you on this list in front of your peers. And that shit sucks. Like I can't even begin to acknowledge how so many times I would get written up because I would not do that. I'm not putting a kid on red in front of his friends. That's humiliation and that's shame. And yeah, if you think like that, that works behavior out of that, <laughs> it's not like that. So I always say, like, if I yell at my kids or I have a moment, I do it in the same fashion. So, like, if I lose my shit in front of my kids and it was in front of my husband, I ask my husband to come back and I apologize in front of my husband. You can't yell in public and then say sorry in private. Right, like, that right. shit doesn't work. Right? So that goes across like all my teachings. So, if, like, we have these things called boundary ribbons. And the kids know that those are the ribbons we stop till we get to our huge cottage. And the reason we do that is because there's a street and like, we just want to make sure that we get across. And this is a big component. They're like, well, how do you not lose a kid? First of all, we have whistle drills. We have all these things in place. We have two-year-olds that'll sit by that boundary ribbon and just wait, because they know that that's a cue. I don't have to tell you. I already told you once. And your peers will say, we can't go forward, right? So I think that this idea of shame of like, no, stop, you can't do that. We don't need to do that in the forest. There are the rules. I, I say they're standards. And a lot of it is framing words and how we conduct ourselves. For all parents listening, like everybody's well-meaning, but take a second and think about like, am I enabling a child that cannot focus or want to be independent because of me right as a parent? Or do I just not know? Risk and play are amazing. Shame is just not good. You don't want Like, I don't know about you, but like girls in general, we're told to be quiet, you know, like don't make too much noise. Don't be a leader. And then I'm sitting there going, why not? Society tells us this. So I think a four school setting for me has allowed not only for my own daughters, but for other kids just to feel empowered in their own learning and the parents to encourage them as well. Like, Hey, maybe you're not going to homeschool, but for a year that you're with me, hell, I'm going to give you a nice track to kind of focus on, to know that I did my job.
0: Yeah. I think too, we, over and over again, the, the multi-age thing comes up. And I just remember in Pascal's preschool, there's oh, when you have, you know, like it's that saying, I like to be with somebody who's greater than me and less than me in, in whatever it is that I'm working on. Cause mm-hmm. I need to feel good. I need to feel advanced in some area, you know, but I also am constantly striving. And I think that's what our kids always need is like aspiring to the bigs taking care of the littles, you know, and you have a two-year-old, that same two-year-old who starts at the boundary, I can guarantee they're in consult with me. Cause that kid's throwing dishes at their head at home and they can't, you know, and I said, well, listen, if he stops at the boundary line at school and he's throwing dishes at your head, then you're the problem, not the kid. Right. And what
1: I say all the time is like the bullying quote unquote bullying is because we have an issue of like, okay, if you're six, then go to first grade. Right. Cause you're six, that age tells you you're where you're at. However, there are times that I have a four-year-old who's like independently picking up just words and starting to read on his own, right? We like that multi-age. First of all, the bigs know they're responsible for the little ones, right? The little ones have such an appreciation for the character of the big ones that they know that that's a good model. So they focus on that. We, when people say like, you know, what are your challenges? And I'm kind of like, what do you mean? There's no bullying. We don't, we don't have that kind of language. It doesn't happen. Yeah. We don't, we don't hit. What do you mean? Sometimes I'll be hitting with sticks and we do this whole thing with stick play because that's a tool for us, right? So we go through that. But is the hitting because they were playing? Is the hitting aggression or frustration? Was it a form of language? Sometimes, 90% of the time, they were playing. And that's different, right? In a classroom, if your child is constantly hitting, it is not that they're bad. It is a form of communication. They're telling you something and it's very hard. My kids, when they hit, it's always among each other. It's always because somebody took something away from the other one. So we go back to you feel not seen, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I I think for me, like everything that we put together, I think this is just the beginning. I hope that two generations from now, there are no indoor public school where kids can't be out in the rain. Like I have no idea how I did it even though there was pockets. Cause I have reflected, I've always been outside, even in the inner city. I'm yeah. like, Oh, it's nice. Let's go walk. Oh, it's a gunshot. Everybody duck. Just kind of the way it was. Right. Right, right, and right. Then When I went into suburbia, people are like, you can't take the kids outside all day. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can. I'm bringing their books and we have yoga mats and we have our essential oils. Like it's 40 degrees. She's like, Oh, you're not 32. And I'm like, it's 40 and sunny. We're good. Now I have little ones that are like 22 and they're like, Oh, the sun's out. It feels amazing. Also, knock on wood, and I didn't want to jinx myself, but we never had a closing for COVID oh, that's great. in the entire time, right? So people around us, and I didn't say that. I said, I'm going to wait till Monday. right? <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I didn't want to jinx it. And the whole time, all our preschools around us had some kind of closing. And somebody's like, did you? And I'm like, I'm not answering until March 7th. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah,
1: yeah. and we didn't because we're outside. Outside the whole time. We didn't have yep. Any issues, right? And so obviously, that tells people something, right? Being outdoors, too are quote unquote, challenging kids who are always our leaders, yeah, right. Yeah. So I think parents and educators really need to question the system and think about what kind of children they want for the next generation, yeah, to lead the
0: world, right. and whole like whole well-being, like you said, like education about health, about your mind, about your heart, about your regulation. It's really anybody can learn to write. Anybody can learn to read. And it's the, it's really about those other things that they're trying to now teach formally, but you just get out of life. And I oh. think that there's a,
1: a real big quality of like making a child be a child. But like, if you're tired, you get a cup of coffee and you go for a walk and you do stuff. I have a grounding list. Well, somebody's off. Go look at the list. Go do something to ground yourself. Yep. And giving that empowerment of like, oh, you feel a little, you know, crappy today, or you're feeling funky. Okay, well, maybe go for a forest bathing walk, take off your shoes. And we have a corner for those parents. This is a very clean, <laughs> there's no glass. <laughs> and they walk on the leaves, oh, so right. or in the mud and say, you know, I just needed those few minutes, and really few minutes were like 10 minutes, five minutes, and the kid comes back and is perfectly fine.
0: Oh, you sound like heaven on earth. Everybody's gonna be like, can you come start a school in my house (laughs) in my land? (laughs) I wish I wish. All right. Well, what you need to do next is you need to write all this shit down, not just your emerging curriculum, but how you do the LLC, you need to copyright it. And then (laughs) you need to sell that to everybody so they can start their little four person forest schools that take off three counties. Oh, Chantelle, this has been great. You guys, where can everybody find you besides your Instagram? Which again, that's sensory underscore garden underscore and underscore play. Yes. Uh, our website is up right now. It's www.sensorygardenandplay. The
1: cool part, and I'm just going to say this is, there's a lot of good things. Um, we wanted to get away from this idea of co-ops. So we're starting courses. Okay. For, so if you're in the state of New Jersey and you want to add courses, we have two coming up. We also will be launching our own for school merchandise soon. Oh, uh, because. Yeah, because my my whole thing is like I keep sending people this business and then when I get these great discount codes and like some, they're two good organizations that we work with. But some of the stuff is a little like, eh, like I don't buy it. I tell you like I'm not going to, if I don't purchase it, you're not going to do it either. So we're going to start trying to reveal that because I think it's important to have the right gear and the right element. I think that's important. And just getting away from the whole, you're going to school and mommy's going to work. If mommy or grandparent or caregiver can come, we want the parents to come in to these caregiver classes. And so one of the ones that's taking off really well, it's called the sapling, what's in the pond course. Okay. And so we have little ones coming in with their parents. So like you're a homeschooling mom and you're, you know, you're busy, you're working, you can come in and you have a certified teacher that's teaching what's in the pond. Oh, so we have cool. a lot going on. Yeah. And we have fun in the forest. So there's a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next few months. And again, for those that are following us, we're only going into year two. So we're That's still amazing. baby in this yeah. world. That's amazing.
0: Thank oh. you for having me. Oh, I can talk to you forever. I know. I know. I was like, oh my God, my head's going to explode. But it's the great thing is that my audience has heard this before. So like everything, I think like seeds that are planted, you know, you can you share mm-hmm. them again and again. So thank you for taking the time today. I so appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamiegowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me by any of my courses those are really geared towards potty training help and also i'm on instagram i'm not on facebook anymore and i'm not on twitter i'm on instagram jamie.gloacki and i do a lot of lives and uh usually posting a lot of good information so those are extra resources for you and as always rock on have an awesome day